Taylor Post. Oh, you know what? It's the first week of Advent, so I promised listeners I would sing intros. You did? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm going to whistle. Oh, okay. You have to guess what the song is. Okay. Silent Night. Yep. Wow. Carol of the Bells. Yep. You don't know that one? No, I do. It's a famous one. It's, there's a, a note that's hard for everybody to hit in the middle. Oh, Holy Night. There you go. I can't. Well, we are in the middle of the Advent season, Taylor. Are you so excited? I am excited. Are you doing the UBC Advent calendar? I am. I'm so excited. I need to make a list of things that I want to give away. Yeah, me and Kathleen are making a giving list tonight. So I'm excited about that. Well, that'll be a good exercise. Yeah, I'm pumped. Um, Do you have a good break? I did. I did. You I went s- up to the DFW area to get some turkey, huh? I saw Marty and my brother Jacob and Kathleen. What was the best thing on the table for Thanksgiving? Oh, that's hard. I do. I am very partial to my grandmother's stuffing recipe. Oh, good stuffing. Yeah. That's primo. I'm very partial. So Marty makes that. Well, I make it um, if, I'm ever, if we're ever not at home, but Marty makes it for the table. But I made some... Parker House rolls, and they were really good. My favorite thing yeah, was our turkey. It was? Lindsay brines our turkey, and we both have feel like she has really conquered the turkey. That's amazing. I feel like the turkey's really hard. We actually ended up ordering all of our meats from a local barbecue place. Oh, I love that. It was started by a guy I went to high school with. Is that a feller, though, that had to get up really early on Thanksgiving morning to make his meat for everybody? No, we had to pick it up the day before. Oh, okay. So he got the day off. Yeah. All right, I'm for it. Okay. But even, I suppose, even if you got up early, cooked for everybody, I mean, how wildly different would that be than a day at home doing the same thing? Right. And you got a day's work in. And you got to be with your family, presumably, in the afternoon. Because barbecue places are usually done by... Yeah, 10. Yeah. Or, I mean, opening around. Yeah. They do do pick up at 10 a.m. Oh, cool. It's a cool place. It's called Zavala's. Is it uh, better than Franklin's in Austin? Uh, It's really different. Um... And I haven't been a ton of times, but one of the things they have is called a sloppy one, and it's like a taco, like a sort of chopped beef taco. It's really, really, really good. Um, have you been to the guest barbecue here in Waco? Yeah. I, I mean, people, barbecuers kind of say it's the real deal. It's gotten some recognition statewide. Well, they, they are, um, Joe would say that they are his like mentors. So there's a connection between guest barbecue. Oh, I didn't know that hot dog. Well, I don't want to oversell myself, but since we're talking barbecue, I uh, I feel like I have learned how to do ribs. Oh, that's good. Yeah, and I don't smoke them, so if that's your thing, I can't help you. Okay. But um, I do some ribs, and I think they're really good. I love that. So sometime I'll have to have you over for a rib yeah. or two. We have a crockpot rib recipe that we like. My dad loves ribs from a place in Fort Worth called Angelo's, which is where he grew up, like eating barbecue. So yeah, once. Once we can all eat around shared tables again. Oh, ribs. We should have some ribs. Yeah. That'd be fun. Okay. Um, I shared my favorite thing. Uh, anything else you want to share about the break before we move on? Did you do some decorating for the Christmas time? You know, we have not decorated for Christmas yet. Ooh, anathema. <laughs> we just got back yesterday. I suppose. And then uh, and then now things are kind of crazy because they are. That's true. When I came into the parking lot yesterday to church, 
uh, there were no cars here, which was really peculiar. Jamie must have been dropped off or something because I think he was in the building. Well, he when we got here. Oh no, he had left. Yeah. He had left. Yeah. He had to get a donut or something for a dare. Yeah. Um, but you were just putting on your makeup because you just <laughs> gotten into town. You were sitting in your car. I was so. really nervous because I know this Sunday after Thanksgiving break, the highways normally crazy, but Kathleen had convinced me that. It wouldn't be crazy because you could do Sunday people morning. weren't coming back to. I think that's right. That schools. early on Sunday morning. It was it was fine. I yeah. mean, we were and with COVID, it's cut down on traffic. I'm nine, sure. yeah. Yeah, so. you were on time. Um, so it all ended up being totally fine. Um, and then today they're putting a new roof on my house. Oh, I'm so excited for you. So me too. I'm what kind are you going with? The asphalt it. shingle. Um, you know, I don't know because I'm not doing it i mean i'm not paying for whatever my my landlord is oh okay um so yeah it's part of our contract well, there you go that's yeah. a good deal a new roof. but he'll do a good job yeah. choosing whatever well and is. even the fancy shingles now are pretty uh price efficient or effective really? or whatever you call it. yeah so. also i'll see when i get home yeah what they chose wouldn't that you just be stunned if you came home and there was slate on your roof or something yeah i don't yeah <laughs> that'd be a pretty big investment for that house <laughs> also maybe it's not structurally stable enough to carry slate yeah no, very structurally sound. I guess, yeah, I should say that I got the, my inspection done last week. And it came back good. And he was just really raving about our Pure and Beam foundation. Oh, nice. Well, yeah. you know, you got foundation, you got a roof. I mean, the other the other huge expense usually is HVAC AC. So if you got yeah. all those ticked off, he you're, said it was, you're good to go for a while. He kind of said, like, you know, it looks good. It looks great. It looks clean. It's working well. I just, it's old and I can't tell you. How long? Yeah. I well, and to be fair, HVAC people can't tell you how long either. They right. give you an estimate. So that's what he said. Um, and then there's just pipes sometimes. Yeah. But he was saying because of the Pyramid Beam Foundation, even pipes, it's like cheaper than. Yeah. No, it's not hard. Yeah. I mean, not that I can do it, but I we just had our gas pipes replaced last year, and it was oh. like sixty five hundred to the whole house. Yeah, that's crazy. Whereas yeah, we like have a, a big house. If that you has... have a slab foundation, yeah. He was oh, saying that gosh. could be. Yeah. I mean, it could be like like. Tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah, you got to bust up stuff and repour. It's not good. Well, I'm glad that you got to see Marty. I'm glad that yeah. um, you got to go up and see Dallas. And my God, I love Thanksgiving. Yeah. You know what I was a little upset about, though? Here's what? my one critique Thanksgiving this year. Okay. So allegedly there was a parade. I know yeah. there was because I saw half of it on a Verizon app. Okay. But it was not as accessible as it has been in years past. Um, I... It was on NBC. We don't get that because of the digital problem that exists in the world with TVs now. Okay. We have plaster walls in our brick home, and I feel like it's just hard for signals to get in there of any kind. Oh. So I saw a little bit of it. Did you see they were like uh, pro- projecting digitally certain balloons from the past that don't no longer exist? That oh, was kind of cool. So it was like a trip down to the 1940s for a while. That seems cool. Yeah. I didn't. Uh, I was. I stayed in bed for a long time on Thanksgiving morning. I was reading. I think some, I called you. Some books. Um, a, a book. Yeah, you did call me on Thanksgiving morning. Yeah. Um, now that I remember that. Um, I wanted to ask, yeah, how was y'all's day with uh, did, with Nana? It was good. She came over about 5 o'clock. We ate together, played games, and then she went to bed about 7.30. <laughs> you guys did an, uh, a dinner. Yeah, we do. A, yeah, we had like a late breakfast and an early dinner yeah. kind of a deal. Um, and also I saw that you posted a video of your children. Oh, well, the night before I posted, I, it was a Hamilton video. I didn't even know that's what it was. Okay, that was my question. Is like, and how can I tell did you, you not know that it was a Hamilton video? Well, because I've never seen a Hamilton. Oh. 
I know, but it feels like it's in it's, the zeitgeist. Well, I should have known because it was Lillian. But um, oh. I'll tell you what. She directed the whole thing. I believe it. I, um, I, I posted that video, not really knowing what it is. And I thought, well, it's kind of cute. Wendell's in the front mumbling. And, yeah. Um, and then I go. We'd actually just picked up our Christmas tree on Wednesday night because uh-huh. it was supposed to rain the day after, which is when you usually do it. Yeah. And then... I so I'm getting a hacksaw from the garage. We cut it. We put it up. I'll do a real Christmas yeah. tree. And then I pull out my phone, and it's been 20 minutes, and I have like 1,300 views, and I have like 30, yeah, 30 likes from like people I don't know. Oh, okay. So then I get well. Actually, my first thing is I get an email from Instagram saying my video has been pulled because of copyright issues. So I thought it was just pulled off, but Lynn's like, no, it's still up here. Well, then I get another email. It's like 60 countries it wasn't viewable in. But I think oh. I would have been viral had I not been cut off by copyright laws. Really? Because, like, I had the, all that reach right away, and then, you know, it went down, and then it was like I finished, like, 2,000 views, which is way more views than any other thing I've ever posted. Right. So it was a very exciting hot moment in my life. Well, and see, this is just the world telling you that you should watch Hamilton watch Hamilton I will I'm going to read the Chernobyl book you've said that so many times well I have I'm very intentional about these things Taylor Uh, it's going to be a moment yeah well I don't want to read another 800 page book I read the Rockefeller book and I need a break before I can tackle another one like that okay and then I'm going to watch the thing and I'm going to be one of the most well-informed viewers when I take it in that people have um yeah. Well, maybe that's overstated. There are mm-hmm. a lot of historians who probably <laughs> studied Hamilton their whole life and watched it. But still. I just want to know if you have an emotional response. To Hamilton? Uh-huh. I would say low chance of it happening. I know. That made me mad. I rolled my eyes. Well, speaking of emotional responses. <laughs> but it's probably good to know the truth. Yeah. Well, I, it may. I may. Right. I Well, this is what I want to talk about. Okay. So I finished Schitt's Creek. Right. And then I watched the after show, which uh-huh. Bree told us the name of yesterday. I can't remember. It's like Great Feels and Good Times or something. I don't remember. Something like that, yeah. And um, I, Lindsay looked over at me twice, and I had eyes glistening at one point. Okay. And I had enough moisture to gather a bead of um, joy in the corner of my eye at one point. Wow. Yeah. Well, there's this scene. Did you watch it yet? No. This isn't, it's not like a drama. Right. But there's this private Facebook group of mothers or fathers of um lgbtq children oh. and they write a letter to david rose and the actor who plays patrick reads it out loud to him for the first time <gasps> and it's like oh. signed by all these mama bears and it's like thousands of signatures of people saying thank you for um i'm gonna cry i know <laughs> it was it's very um the whole thing but it's just an hour or two and you know brie made the point it's really powerful if you watch it right after you watch the final episode which yeah. is definitely the case yeah um, but Dan Levy, my goodness, what a what a genius, artistic genius on so many levels. Yeah, right. Um, I could tell even in that after show, he was telling a story with mm-hmm. himself, and he it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's the thing, and I don't mean to get us into another fight this week. <gasps> what? This help- how are we gonna get in a fight? Well, give it time. Okay. <laughs> um, I think I had a clarifying thought that will actually help us. Okay. Because I think it helped me. Um. Well, again, clarify to be redundant. A difference in the way we may be thinking about the term justice. Okay. So the other thing about the after show, and we've talked about this, is they talk about how great it was that Dan Levy wrote and sustained a romantic relationship, LGBTQ relationship on television. Um, And then like that moment of the letter that's being read and how that had a cultural impact. And they do this whole thing about 
you know, there's a poster of him and um, Patrick kissing that got put up in like Times Square or something. Yeah. And, like, the, you know, just all these kind of boundary breaking moments. Mm-hmm. And my thought was, I, th- I thought of the Obama thing where he would say, when they go low, we go high. Okay. Okay. Michelle Obama said that. Um, yeah. I don't remember who was. Yeah. Michelle Obama. Yeah. Did I say Obama? Yeah, but then you said he. Oh, sorry. Yes. Okay, Michelle Obama. And then, um, so she said that, and like that ethos and that approach to culture. Uh-huh. So to me, that's what it was. It's like, we're not going to enter in and fight with you about this. We're just going to, like Dostoevsky says, or Prince Minsk and, and um, the idiot, beauty save the world. We're going to put up something so beautiful that it's compelling, and we're going to change your imagination that way, and you can take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. Um. And I thought, when I, and don't get mad yet, because okay. let me go all the way through my thought this process. This isn't the part I'm allowed to get mad at yet. Well, you can get mad at whatever you want. Okay. But I was thinking, look, that is like, in my mind, it's like the unity thing. Like, here's this beautiful thing. Take it or leave it. We're not going to play the game where we argue with you. And I thought, wait a minute, though. That's probably not how Taylor's conceptualizing justice. What do you mean? Well, they're like, we need to get in the trenches and fight with you and argue with you. Right, and, yeah. And so that was a light bulb moment for me. Okay. Yeah, because I would say that's very, like, to me, it's like, yeah, the, so, like, um, when I say, like, I'm going to correct people on their racism or call them out or whatever, mm-hmm. I don't mean that I'm going to argue with people. In fact, I'm not going to argue with people. If someone is being racist and I say, like, hey, that's racism, and they say, like, no, it's not, I'm just going to be like, yeah, it is. And I don't, I'm not going to, like, I don't want to argue anymore with people about whether or not racism exists. I would rather, in fact, create something compelling. Well, see, I knew we were on the same page. Yeah. It just took me a thing to kind of get through my head and my heart and be like, oh, yeah, I bet this is what we mean. And it's the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Dan Levy, you know, is so compelling also, I think. Yes. Have you ever seen like a screenshot of that tweet that his mom tweeted on... The, at the like season finale air date no it's very sweet um uh it's very sweet and it's she's talking about him and how um when he grew up what well, she sort of implies taylor's looking this up on her phone which is why the, <laughs> the yeah, speech is I mean, slowed remarkably um um implies you know she said i had this son who was she says like love to twirl is kind of what she says mm-hmm. but i think the implication is that she knew this he was maybe a, a different person perhaps she knew he was gay um and she said i was just so scared about what the world was going to do to him and mm-hmm. like whether or not the world would accept him and I should have known that, like, I, you know, I, there was no way for me to know that he would just actually change, change the, world. the world. Wow. And it's just really sweet. That is beautiful. And my phone's not pulling it up because I don't know if I have bad internet right now or what, but. Well, let's do this. I have one more thing to talk about about the show. Okay. And while it comes up, we'll return to that at the end. That'll Perfect. be a good exclamation point. Perfect. Yeah. So, um, now that the show's over, to, to actually analyze the show itself and. Mm-hmm. I, the one thing that was hard for me through the whole thing, and I don't know if I've said this in any of our episodes or not, Mm -hmm. was the fact that they were living in a motel. 
Okay. And um, I think, you know, when they started the show, it was your image of it was supposed to be kind of run down and uh-huh. less than and because um, it's a motel. Right. And that's right. even a theme at the very end of the show is the, what is the motel and the function of the motel. Right, yeah. And um, I, l- I look at mansions. I love mansions. I love architecture. I love houses. I love spaces. And so like it just it was like nails on a chalkboard for me. Mm-hmm. I like I watch shows because of space and home. Right. And so the fact that this was their home just graded on me. Like, I love the characters. I thought the humor was good, but this was working. Well, it snuck up on me. How beautiful the hotel, the motel looks by the end? Yes. And um, not not that the hotel itself aesthetically is beautiful. I mean, give or take what people think, but, like, how that became home. Yeah. And that theme became so powerful and palpable. Yeah. And um, it was really actually cathartic for me because, and I don't want to make anybody mad, I, for 16 years, have a hard time calling Waco home not that I don't appreciate Waco but I think it's been a similar journey in that I've fallen in love with the people Uh and and, you know the kind of the quirkiness but it's still I don't love the landscape although Cameron Park is beautiful or the you know the weather as well like I don't think of this is the place I want my bones buried to make a Old Testament reference right but um it kind of snuck up on me and is now home yeah so I wanted to read I don't we don't usually get too serious on this podcast but in honor of Shit's Creek, I want to read a quote that I know we both love. Okay. Um, and this is just for anybody who needs a boost emotionally about a place you love. I'm going to cry probably. This is Terry Tempest Williams. And she wrote this in a voice in a wilderness, uh, colon, conversations with Terry Tempest Williams. So you can Google that if you care to find it. She says, it may just be that the most radical act we can commit is to stay home. Mm-hmm. What does that mean to finally commit to a place, to a people, to a community? It doesn't mean it's easy but it does mean that you can live with patience because you're not going to go away. It also means a commitment to bear witness and and engaging in casserole diplomacy by sharing food among neighbors, by playing with the children and mending feuds and caring for the sick. These kinds of commitments are real. They are tangible. They're not esoteric or idealistic, but they're rooted in the bedrock existence of where we choose to maintain our lives. That way we begin to know the predictability of a place. We anticipate a species long before we see them. We can chart changes because we have memory of cycles and seasons. We gain a capacity for both pleasure and pain, and we find strength within ourselves, each other, to hold these lines. That's my definition of family, and that's my definition of love. And for me, that is a theological description of Schitt's Creek. Yeah. I love that quote, and I do think that's a very good theological description of Schitt's Creek. And so did you think, this is my ultimate question, at one point we were talking earlier in, on the podcast, and I, um, I can't remember what exactly it was I promised you, but essentially it was like... Oh, the spades. In spades. Yeah. Well, I have a thought about that too, and it's, yes, for the, the intents and purposes of your comment, there were spades, but what I would say is there was a spade. And what I mean by that is how Rob Bell talks about the bass notes Uh and these deep abiding truths. It was like all of a sudden I was grabbed and held by this theme that I have held very close to myself in literature and in story. Yeah. And there it like it bloomed like a flower in front of me in the last season of the show. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good description because it's not like, you know, another series we talked about is The West Wing, which can kind of be meaningful in a million different directions. And it is kind of like this show, Schitt's Creek is very meaningful but mostly about place and space and family and commitment 
So it's like sort of one direction. And I think too, um, you know, we push against the word sacred and secular here. Mm -hmm. But um, I remember Kyle suggesting that we use the redemption or the language of that which has been redeemed and still needed in redemption of redemption. Mm -hmm. And I think what's beautiful about that story is through the eyes of the roses, this town is redeemed, but really they're redeemed by the town. Right. And um, that relationship is symbiotic. I don't know if that's the right word, but it's yeah, um, symmetric. Yeah, I think it's the right word. And it um, it certainly flourishes towards the end, where you feel some real emotion in their goodbyes. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Um, Taylor, did you find the quote for us from Daniel Levy's mother? I did. This is our exclamation point to the Shit's Creek analysis that you've endured um, these last couple of weeks. Yeah. She said... Um, Ooh, I don't know if I can read it. Do you need me to go beep at certain times? No, no, no. no. She said, Today I regret every single second of worry back in the uninformed 80s, wondering how the world was going to treat my brilliant little boy who loved to twirl. Little did I know that he was going to kick that old world's um, butt to the curb and create a brand new one. Isn't that so sweet? what What a beautiful tweet. Moms are sweet. Moms are sweet. Okay, uh, Taylor, I believe it is my turn to take a quiz it on a quiz. new podcast uh, thing we're calling Take the Quiz. <laughs> Last week you had a whole um, theme song worked out. Well, I knew what the quiz was, so I could. Oh, that's great. Three words in a book. Okay, I wonder if you're going to like this quiz. Oh, it's just a quiz. You just like the idea of the quiz? Yeah. Um, I don't think you're going to. Well, it'll be interesting to see if you like the quiz. I have looked up uh, Best Musical Tony Award winners. I don't think I'll get any of the answers right, but... <laughs> and I'm going to play a song from not all of them, obviously. Okay. Um, and I would like for you to guess... What the song is? What the song Do is. Do you have any any sense that I'll know any of these? Um, I don't... I don't quite think I understand how much you know about... Very little. Um, Unless it was made by Rodgers and Hammerstein before the 1950s. Then I'll do good. Okay. We have some. Okay, I'm ready. Um Here we go. Give me the dice. I'm trying not to. Oh, is this um Havana Nights that one? Well, Lucky Lady Tonight? Yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh, so that was Lucky Lady Tonight from do you know? Um Havana Nights, what was that? Uh, Cuba? No, it's uh, Do- Guys and Dolls. Guys and Dolls. That's exactly I saw that right. musical in college. That's why I knew that one. You, you saw it in college and yeah. that's why you know it? Yeah. My friends were in it, so I went. Um, that was pretty quick, too. I was very impressed. I, right after you said, like, I will definitely not know any Look, of these. Look, be a lady. Do not. Well, if, I suppose if they've kind of peaked culturally, I'll know the songs. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. Sorry, I'm having to go back and forth between. Screens? Um, yeah, exactly. Okay. The rain in Spain stays mainly in the plain. Again. The rain in Spain stays mainly Is it My Fair Lady? Yeah. Okay. Josh. Thank you. What are you doing right now? Well, I uh, just got lucky. I'm so impressed. Thank you. Um, okay. I feel like this. These, so these but I feel are, like if you were a real fan of that musical, you would have gotten there right away. Yeah. You wouldn't have to. Yeah, The Rain in Spain. Stays Please, m- folks, oh, sorry. May I have your 
Attention, please. Attention, please. I can deal with the troubled friends with a wave of my hand, this very hand. The please scenery. observe me if you will. I'm Professor Harold Hill, and I'm here to organize a River City Boys band. Oh, is this the music man? Oh, yeah. think, my okay. friends, how can any uh, River City. Oh, we got trouble right here in River City. That starts with T. That rhymes with P. That stands for bull. Is it well, that song? Is... Well, I go Wigan. Oh my God, no, that's a good one. This is '77 trombone and a marching band. You know that's supposed to be coming to um, Broadway with Hugh Jackman and the lady that Lindsay really likes. Can't remember her name. She, she's like, if you give me anything in my life, get me the tickets to that. I did not realize that was coming to Broadway. Yeah. That's well, so who knows exciting. how COVID has changed things, but that was slated to happen. Lindsay really loves the music man. She likes the lady who's she. Oh, I know what it was. There's a show about a lady who like, say she's 25, but she's really 40, um, and she's like living in the life of a 25 year old, even though she's 40. It's a show. Yeah. Sutton Foster. Yeah, Sutton Foster and Hugh Jackman are going to be in Music Man. Okay. Yes. I think I got that right. We'll have to fact check it with Monica later. Okay. There. I feel like there's two really iconic ones. Let's go with this one. You wait, little girl, on an empty stage for fate to turn the light on. Your life, little girl, is an empty page that men will want to write on. Should we fast forward a little bit and see if you can... Well, I'm trying to get context clues. Okay. You are 16, going on 17. Yeah. Baby, yeah, it's, it's time to think. Okay. Yeah, sound of music. That was a good wow. one. Wow, Josh. Yeah, I'm not Are as... you impressed with yourself? I am stunned. To be honest, the My Fair Lady one was a complete lucky guess. Okay. I mean, I put a, a range on the time frame based on the audio quality. Yeah. <clears throat> but I don't think I've actually seen My Fair Lady. Didn't uh, Audrey Hepburn do that... Audrey did a movie in My Fair Lady? Um, uh, Julie Andrews. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I thought Audrey Hepburn did one. I can't remember what it was. Maybe she did Guys and Dolls. I don't remember. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so impressed. Okay. Let's see. This one is maybe a little... Waitress? No. Um, what's that? 16? What's the one where they count at the beginning? Rent. Oh, yeah. It's rent? No, it's not rent. Oh. 670 days. Witches? Wicked? No. Oh. Were you, did you mean to say witches? Yeah. Said witches? <laughs> yes. Let me think. This might Wait. Not. No, I want to guess this one still. Okay. Is it a recent one? No. It's an oldies? Yeah. Cats? No. That's recent, isn't it? Uh, no recent than that. Uh, Annie? No. Kind of sounds like it could be some orphans. Yeah. Okay, I give up. Um, it's Bye Bye Birdie. Oh, yeah, I don't would have never gotten that. A the thousand. telephone hour. Okay. Um. Yeah, so I'm actually going like chronologically. Oh, that helps. Okay, so we're in the seventies. Yes. Yeah, we're in this. We just moved into the seventies. Okay. And oh, I, actually, I didn't choose anything. Should I just start humming show tunes and see if you can get some? Wasn't that the beginning of um, Phantom of the Opera? No. no, that's I'm conflating um, that Halloween song. I, actually, I don't know if I've ever seen Phantom of the Opera. You know what I think? This is what I think about some of this stuff. Um, 
is that it's I think it's all much more um culturally relevant than you, people think it is you know what musicals I mean? yeah because i think you think like oh, i don't know any of them i don't know do. any of them and then it's just like well it's probably because i don't know any of the modern ones oh you like the ones that are on broadway right now well in the last 10, 10 15 years probably yeah i don't think those are supposed to be either. pop six squish uh-uh cicero yeah. she had it coming she had it coming she only had herself to blame. Do you know the musical? Well, I saw the movie with uh, Renee Zellweger uh-huh. and um, what's her name? Catherine Zeta-Jones. Uh-huh. <laughs> but do you know the name of it? Chicago. Yeah, Chicago. Chicago. That wasn't the 70s, though. That was like 2000. Oh, I guess the musical originally on Broadway. Yeah. Duh. Yeah. I think, I think that's some of it, too, is a lot of these things get remade like over and over and over again. Yeah, did again. you see Cats? <laughs> <laughs> I did not see cats. Okay, let's go. Let's like skip forward a little bit. Okay. And I love this game. I hope listeners are hanging out for this. <laughs> do you do you like this game because you're being much more successful than you thought you were? Yes. Be? Yeah, I am. Okay. Uh, you know what? Though at least they're getting time to guess. That's probably the fun part for a listener. Yeah. If they hang around, we know they really love us. Yes, truly. Okay. I got I got one from the '80s, but it was remade recently. Hamilton. <laughs> Hamilton was written. I remember, written the, I remember the '80s Broadway. It was so good. You remember the '80s Broadway? Yeah. Uh, this is pretty. There were giants in the sky. There were big, tall, terrible giants in the sky. Yeah. Doll. This is one of his books. When you weigh your pie and you look below at the world you've left and I think you know little more than a glance is enough to show you just how small you are. When you weigh your pie and you want your own in a wall like none that you've ever known, the sky is left and the earth is stone, you're free to do whatever. No, I give up. What was it? Into the Woods. Oh, is that with, um, that was a movie a few years ago too, right? That's what I said. Oh, I thought you meant like a remade Broadway. On Broadway? No, it was in... That's what um, Meryl Streep was in that, wasn't she? Yep. Wow, big hitters. Big hitters. You, you said James Corden and Anna Kendrick, Anna instead, Kendrick. Of, instead of Meryl Streep? Yeah, I, well, I think I'd forgotten. Um, She's kind of a B-grade actor anyways. Yeah. <laughs> Meryl Streep. Oh, this is one of my favorite... There's one of my favorite songs from a musical I'm not going to play for you because you definitely won't know it. Because is it that bluegrass Steve Martin one? No, we still might. Uh, I'll play Doing something of that for you. Um, no, it's uh, called The Civil War. Oh, okay. And there is a song in it called Tell My Father. Tell my father no. that I'm not coming home from this war. <laughs> Tell my father okay. that I couldn't, even though I tried with all my heart. Tell my father, tell my father I was glad to die for the cause. Okay, for the record, those are like the words of the songs. Really? Not exactly word for word. It's like... Uh, I just have a music intuition that people haven't celebrated in my life. Okay. Uh, it's much sadder, though. It's called... Oh. And it's like, um, tell, my fa- tell my father that his son... Didn't run or surrender. Oh, yeah. It's like very sweet. It's very chivalrous, chival- not chivalrous, but yeah, uh, brave. Yeah. And, yeah. Okay. Any more? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
is a musical with a full-on rock and roll band. And 72, 84 hours and something like that. Yeah. Isn't yeah. that in there? Yeah, that's in there. You got it. That's how it opens. Um. Yeah. They're standing well, in that, that, song is that multi-structured opens. apartment tier thing. Yeah. Have you ever watched it? I've seen somehow I've seen something of it. Was that, I think Lindsay maybe owned that on a DVD or something. Yeah, it came out. It was a movie also. And then recently they did it live on the TV. Oh, well, I didn't see it then. Okay. Are we ready? Yeah. Okay, here's the next one. Oh, I recognize that voice. The most days no, I don't away. recognize me. She was these shoes and this apron. Is that I mean, and it's patrons. I've taken more than I gave them. It's not easy to know. should have played that's so like i said that's my favorite yeah song. well that's a good one um it's uh, by the way we're probably slaughtering like 87 copyright laws but we'll just <laughs> I didn't even think let's about roll that. the dice and see what happens um uh it is about a woman and a job her job. waitress yeah oh because i mentioned that one yeah you did mention that one okay um okay last one last one then we'll go to commercial um uh, yeah, and then we'll go to commercial. It'll be great. Um, okay. I don't know even what to start with, but I had a lot of favorites. Hamilton? <laughs> well, there you have it, folks. When I started thinking about what the first... <laughs> like when I, st- I had forgotten about the... I was remembering what... He- Lynn Manuel Miranda says, which is pardon me, are you Aaron Burser? Which yeah. also still probably would have given away. But then I remembered that there's that chorus, yeah. like 1776. So anyhow, well, Taylor, thank you so much for putting that quiz together. As you can see, I'm a little bit better in with antiquity. But that was so much fun. I loved it. And if this doesn't get shut down for copyright laws, I think listeners will really have enjoyed this. Hey, we're going to take a break with our listeners or to give you a, a word from our sponsors. And then we're going to be back in just a moment with our good friend and rock and roll star, Marcus the Shark Waldrop. <laughs> Marcus the Shark is. Well, Taylor, we are coming up on the one month of the year when everyone looks at their diet plans and says, not today, Satan. Uh-huh. We are smack dab in the middle of the holiday season, and that means we eat like Americans with a flagrant disregard <laughs> for all things nutritional. Okay. So, as long as we are downing Twinkies like toilet, toilet paper in COVID, uh-huh. why not consume something that just doesn't taste great but also looks amazing? I'm talking about the cookies. Nay, I'm talking about the works of art for sale over at the Cookie Hustle 254. Woohoo! Artist Megan Glover will not only make you a dozen of the most scrumptious sugar cookies, but she'll decorate them 
like she's painting the Sistine Chapel. They're beautiful. So for a couple of the most scrumbly, rumptious cookies in Central Texas, send an email over to cookiehustle254 at gmail.com. Or better yet, get yourself on Instagram and follow at cookiehustle254 so you can feast your eyes on these works of art. Yeah. Taylor. Yeah. There's one store that I go to every single Saturday. You want to know what it is? I do. Circle Hardware and Lumber. Okay. I used to spend hours trying to get into the parking lots of Lowe's and Home Depot and another few hours running after employees who ran away from me And as I stared at a sea of parts I couldn't identify. Well, call it the Dunder Mifflin effect. But I've converted to a small town business where I know I can get great customer service in a family family friendly atmosphere. Yeah. And I'm always blown away at the variety of items in Circle Hardware um, in their 5,400 square foot building that is full of all the highest quality home improvement products at an affordable price. Wow. And Taylor, did you know this? What? When there was a toilet paper shortage in Waco, uh-huh. do you know where I got toilet paper? At Circle Hardware? Circle Hardware. They had a, it's like the aqua marine section for boats and they had toilet paper in there. So they kept oh me gosh. supplied and our tushies clean over at the Carney household. Through the pandemic. Yeah. So do yourself a favor and don't wait in lines. Don't approach customer sales reps who run away from you because they're overworked and underpaid. Go to 2405 LaSalle Avenue to the Circle Hardware store. That's 2504 LaSalle Avenue, or give them a call, 254-754-5658, to guarantee that they have what you're looking for. Or just in case you're coming out of the Jurassic period, you can fax them at 254-754-5650. Josh, what's your favorite thing you bought there? Well, I'll tell you my favorite thing is, one time I needed a very specific part to fix my bathtub um, cold water, like, knob's the wrong word, it's like way inside, it's the thing that releases pressure so the water comes out. Yeah. And I hunted and hunted for the part. Nobody could find it because it was sold. And this man who worked there said, well, rather than sell you something, let me try this. And he said, I used to work on these. And he took it to the bathroom and just took a little bit of water and rinsed the plate, gave it back to me, put it back together, and it worked perfectly. <gasps> That's amazing. That's what you get at the Circle of Hardware. Yay. Boom. And we're back. Mark, say hi to everybody. Hi to everybody. We are here with Mark the Shark Waldrop. <laughs> Maybe the best guitar player since Jimmy Page, right here in our building, That's, talking to us. I don't know if you know this guy, Jack Parker. Well, but I have heard he, of him. He is definitely uh, leaps and bounds. Hey, let's do this since you mentioned Jack's name. I'll say a guitarist, and you say, is Jack better? Okay, let's go. Uh, Eddie DeGarmo. Better. Um, Phil Keggy. Better. Uh, Eddie Van Halen. Better. Are you serious? I'm, I don't know. I don't, have you ever seen Jack play? Oh, yeah, all the time. But, I, Mark, I have no conceptual ability to judge i would say jack is is the eddie van halen of our age okay wow. like he's that good he's amazing isn't bwack have also... you heard jackson palomino yes i have it is i mean it's every bit as good as van halen i mean yeah according he's, to me he's talented i mean he's good he's those more parkers. multifaceted those parkers those yeah. parkers what a fan huh yeah right. which of the parker Royalty. daughters do you think will be the most famous roxy for sure oh yeah yeah roxy Okay, uh, but isn't BWAC considered really good his craft too within the drumming industry? Oh yeah, he's a legend. It's so funny because he—I don't think he perceives himself like that, but he is definitely, uh, especially in the Christian music scene, like he people adore him. But I would think even outside, like just in terms of a talent, like he could hang with. Oh yeah. Yeah, he yeah. could drum for anybody. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, he grew up playing. It's funny. One of our one of our fun things we always joked about uh, in touring is that all of us played in metal bands in like high school. And so all of us have that pedigree of like playing fast and like complicated things. Uh-huh. And then, you know, you get into worship and it's just kind of like. Oh, the drummer really suffers. 
Yeah. So like, but he's, it's funny because, you know, there's some moments in shows when people will be like, drum solo, drum solo, drum. You know, people oh, start that chanting that. that feel really good. Oh, he hates it so much. He's Why? A, he's a five. And like, I was he, wondering that. Like, Not he would want to. Fame? He doesn't. Yeah. No, he Success? wants to be. <laughs> he would much rather get uh, adoration because he built a robot than because he can play drum solo. Like a five would. Like a freaking five. Hey, well, let's back up because some people may not know. Uh, you are a guitarist. Um, you played for how many years in the David Crowder band? Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, six, five, six years. Six years doing that, and then um, in the reincarnation of the second effort, you were in the digital age for another six years. So you did twelve years of professional music at a high level. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. hung with the best of them. I did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And since we're, we're doing a lot of Christmas stuff this episode, I was wondering, um, well, I wanted to tell you that, uh, is it Oh For Joy? Is that the name mm-hmm. of it? Oh For Joy is probably in my top five Christmas albums to this yeah. day. And I will say this, the um, the cover that you and the Digital Age did of um, It Came Upon a Midnight Clear, I love that song. That's probably my favorite Christmas thing we've done. I don't know why you have never pushed that. Have you heard that, Taylor? Uh, I don't think I have, but I love that song, so I should listen to it. Obviously. Yeah. They do such a great cover. And did you do a music video, like looking out a train window or something in my head? Yeah, Mike D filmed where we were flying out to something, and he just filmed uh, with his phone out the window. Yeah, we, I thought it was a great video. Vioac made it into a video. But yeah, the Overjoy, oh I don't know if you know this, but you know it did win Dove Award for Christmas Album of the Year. So, oh, I mean, I'm not high, surprised. High praise. Let's talk you know. about awards, though, because you have some <laughs> serious nominations, right, under your belt? Uh, sure. Do you have some Dove Awards? Uh, I have a few, yeah. And do you have? You guys get crazy. Emmy nominated ever? No Emmy. We got Grammy nominated. Gra- that's what I meant. Yeah. Grammy. Oh sorry. Gosh. Yeah, we have a Grammy nominated. We artist lost to wow. Switchfoot that year, which was kind of the worst. Do you have a blue check mark <laughs> by your name on any of your accounts? I do. Which one? <gasps> Are you serious? I have Twitter blue check. Holy smokes! I thought Lillian Cunningham was going to be our first blue check mark guest, but it's Mark Waldrop, my wow. friends. It's not that exciting. How many followers do you have? Because that's how I measure people's worth. Okay, that's on true, each, but each a joke one. also. The Twitter. <laughs> The, tw- the Twitter was definitely biggest because I... Uh, well, you're you're witty, dude. I quit. Well, yeah. So I ran... I started and ran our Crowder Band account uh, in, you know, whenever Twitter started, 08, 09. That happened yeah. while you were... That was like your side job, right? You yeah. Were the inst- I was like the band social media guy. So... Mm-hmm. Um, Did you ever say controversial things? Yes. <laughs> Tell yes. us. You well, got in trouble? I got in trouble. Well... I do remember one trouble story. Yes. I got in trouble for a couple, like, references. Like, I referenced Family Guy... Oh. A time and got in trouble for that. Um, you know, I had some hot takes because about. let's because listeners we, we we have some non-evangelicals because referencing that would uh, kind of put you in bed with the Family Guy, which would Correct. be a yes. kind of evangelical football. Yes, I was yes. going to say that seems so foreign to me that you would get in trouble. Well, for it's funny. So um, I think I might have posted something. Uh, you know, holding a beer at some point, got in trouble. Like you personally holding a beer? Or like someone in the band holding, I yeah. don't really remember. But it like, was, is that all that stuff? It was that, probably Hogan. It was, it, was, it probably was. Uh, Did that guy have a moral, you know, back? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the, uh, no, it was, it was weird running social media, being so scrutinized. I mean, it's probably mm-hmm. similar to how Kelly feels now, but um, Kelly Harp. But yeah. when you have a lot of eyes on you, anything you post oh, yeah. will be scrutinized. And so at some point... Um, you get over it, but well, when you're and that was like, I mean, we're still in like the wild west of social media. I feel like, but that was really, really like the very beginning of like you. I mean, people didn't know what a mass response would be like when people first experienced it. So that was probably 
I mean, just learning by the seat of your pants, kind of. I have a I have a really vivid memory of uh, watching. I was actually upstairs at UBC. It was a Super Bowl. Gosh, this would have been like 2011, maybe. And uh, the Black Eyed Peas were the band, mm. and it was garbage. It was so bad. I think there was like 10 or 15 of us up upstairs watching it on the on the TV, and uh, I was like live live tweeting it like i was early on the live tweeting game it was okay. very much like live tweeting as it was happening and I under was the like, crowder band account though not your own no this was my own okay was there a little more freedom within your... oh yeah okay but still not complete yeah. freedom like right. it was like you're a representative of you know this thing right. this greater thing um you know it's not about you it's about you know that kind of vibe so i did remember we played um we were flying out we met the bus in like nashville and i got to talk into about being negative about other bands. Mm. So. And just in case the Black Eyed Peas would have taken you on tour or something. I know, I know. Yeah. But I'll tell you one I remember. Happened, I remember great. management talking to you because you were, um, you of course traveled the world at the time and were familiar with the In-N-Out Burger Joint experience. And um, we're somewhere like in Texas where it was new and said In-N-Out time. Do you remember said, this? Yeah, I think I said, you know, getting ready for some In-N-Out or something. <laughs> I don't remember exactly how it was worded, and but... And you got in trouble? Oh, yeah. Huh? Well, that... Oh, I, I won't unpack that for anybody, but... <laughs> yeah. Uh, to I me, was it was obvious, but apparently, you know, that was a questionable thing for a Christian musician to post. I'm, so. I'm being real honest. I was expecting an animal-style joke. No. I didn't, no, I didn't uh, really... you know, that... See, but that, I knew that would have been too far. <laughs> but the in and out uh, in and out was not... Yeah, it's that kind of thing. Like, I would very innocently say things, you know, like, you know, or I think I Instagram, the family guy was like, we were hanging out on the bus and I just like, you know, had a picture of us hanging out on the bus and like family guy was on the screen or something. It's that kind of thing. And then it's like, you were just exposing your, like uh, you just played a worship set. Now you're sitting on the bus being heathens. Yeah. That's uh, just exposing the actual character of the moral degradation of your band. (laughs) Well, it's really funny because actually Mike Hogan, who is a former UBC -er, now in Dripping Springs. Is uh, he still doing one campaign stuff? uh, He's not. Oh yeah, he just stopped. I think last year. Is that still a thing? Months. The one campaign? Yep. Yeah. Oh. Why he would you quit working for Bono ever? I don't know. He, you know, he was he was around Bono quite a few times. I know. Well, I saw yeah. pictures. I yeah. uh, seethed with jealousy over here in uh, <laughs> Colcord Avenue. Well, he uh, our very last tour was called the Seven Tour, and our joke was it was like the Seven Sins Tour. And, uh, <laughs> get get it all out one and, last. Uh, Hogan uh, Hogan every night would just take a solo cup and make himself a drink and put it up on his keyboard and play a set. And that was kind of his like, Oh, like during the show. Oh yeah. But nobody would know. No, but you know, it's just like he, he was so over it, you know? Yeah. I mean, and we were still doing Christian music stuff, but like he wasn't, he would, he knew he was just going to do one campaign. Yeah. Stuff. He wasn't trying to hedge for the future at all. So he was just like, Nope, this is like going to make it a good night for me and I don't care and whatever. That's funny. So yeah, you know, it's definitely a, uh, yeah, fun fun ride in the Christian music scene. So let's go back. Um, every, at some point, 70, 60, I'm, gonna over, I'm picking a number, that's exaggerated. But how many kids dream of being in a rock and roll band, okay, legitimately? And you are a uh, sophomore at Baylor University, doing very well for yourself, might I add. Were you a philosophy major? Mm-hmm. And you were, you know, ripping down basically a 4-0 and um, being Mark the Shark. And you, of course, are also a very talented guitar player on the side, and you'd play over here for us every once in a while. And then one, I still remember the moment you told me that you had been asked to be in the band. And I about died and fell over. Actually, I saw you talking in a room 
yeah. right next to us uh-huh. with Crowder yep. and I don't know who else was in there. Certainly was, Tony was in there. I think it was just Crowder on the on the first thing. Okay, and then like all of a sudden, this guy I know is a world traveling famous guitar player, and yeah. the rest is history. Yeah. Uh, do you can you just describe for us the motions you had as a what nineteen year old? having that put on your plate and kind of the turmoil of walking away from your education and what that was like? Yeah. Well, I was biking home from like genetics or something. I love that you were biking. Literally (laughs) biking. And I got a call from Crowder and like, did you guys have contact? I had his number just from like UBC music stuff, Yeah, but it wasn't like we weren't like friends. So I was like, I don't know why he'd call. So he calls me. Um, and I just, he's like, Hey, uh, do you want to go get coffee? And I was like, sure. Uh, Were you suspicious right away? Uh, Not like in a bad way, but like, why does David Crowder want to talk to me? Uh, yeah, a little bit. But it, again, it wasn't like that weird. So it's just kind of like, a, oh, interesting. Yeah, this will be interesting. So he asked me to go get coffee. And I was like, I don't really drink coffee. He goes, I don't either. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay, well, uh, he goes, you know, do, do you want to come to UBC? And I was like, sure. I'm just got out of class. I'll bike up there. So I literally biked. And you probably because it was the mid 2000s you were on a, a fixie is that what they call it <laughs> i was not on a fixie i was not that cool okay but that, that was definitely the thing uh no i just had a like walmart bike um, even better yep sure. and uh yeah biked up here and sat down and david was just like hey um thanks for coming up and i was just kind of waiting on it he goes there's no easy way to say this do you want to join the david Carter band <laughs> like it was he he was like that point blank and i was yeah. you know just just so confused like literally just left genetics like 30 minutes later oh. i'm sitting across from david and he's asking that and he's like let me unpack that so and then he started no logistic clue. no you... clue oh, wow. it was that sudden uh, but describe now your emotional state where you like my dreams are coming true or yeah was, uh, okay it's like yeah. i can't believe this well thing. i was just so i was so shocked so we have that conversation he gave me like kind of a couple different options of like if i don't want to join the band they just needed somebody to fill in for the summer or if i do want to join this is what it would look like and he knew it was a lot but they were just you know they were halfway through recording remedy and he's like if you do want to actually join the band, you need to let me know ASAP because we want you to be on this record. Holy cow. And so, you know, we're recording right now. So, Which, Jack could have just played all your parts. Why do you think that, was that a morale boost thing? or? Yeah, it's kind of like, we're going to be touring this record. You should play on it and have we'll some of it. your, mm-hmm. some of your, like, you know, write some parts. Like, let it be, you know, let it be something you can speak into and have ownership of. So I really appreciated that. Like, it's awesome that, you know, that happened versus two months later and I wouldn't you know, playing someone else's parts. Um, So that was really cool. But yeah, I mean, I went home back to Tyler and hung out with my parents for like a week and processed it. And they, you know, were asking questions and doing everything. And eventually I was like, yeah, I got to do it. My parents just kind of smiled and they started laughing. They're like, we know we're just trying to be good parents. Like they they knew, but I mean, I met with my, uh, I met with my advisor at Baylor and kind of did the same thing to him. And he's like, you know, you have to do this, right? (laughs) Like, I like literally everybody I talked to was like, yeah, you're stupid if you don't do this. So it made it a lot easier, but yeah, I was very much pre-med track. Like I, I was like, like going down that road. And so it was you know, 180 is an understatement. It was like, could not be more different. So, so let me ask this question. Um, what I remember of Dave is, I mean, he, he's very smart and he very calculated. So I know he didn't ask you without knowing the answer to this, but did you think he knew you were good enough to do what he was asking you to do? I think he did. I mean, he, he'd seen me play at UBC. Um, I definitely, did a, like a mini tryout for the band. Like I, like it was he, coded that way. Like, like he, he was like, Hey, I want you to meet the band guys and play for them a little bit. 
so that was very nervous so literally like jack and hogan and mike they were all there and i don't remember i think i just played i played some like explosions in the sky or something and like i don't know just a couple mm. couple like fun things that i've been playing a lot and then they were like yeah so they like, knew right away to be fair the guy i was replacing in the band uh solly was not a great guitarist <laughs> oh really no i didn't know that no he was more like singer songwriter like he could play chords but he was more like you know good voice like worship leader not like i'm a good guitarist and like, they had tried out that guy taylor in between you right so taylor was technically who i replaced but he he was only there for a couple months and he uh, i think the big rub with him is he didn't get ubc oh, okay didn't wow. get her like ubc and that was like obviously a deal breaker as the ubc because that band. was kind of you weren't just signing up for the band at that point you were signing up for the, the whole ethos of the community and the relationship between the two and what was pitched was we are the ubc worship team you are expected to be here every sunday um, you know, kind of we your life will revolve around touring in UBC. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was very much packaged that way. So, but I mean, I was here every Sunday anyway, and I was Sundays and Wednesdays and right. like other like I was already living at UBC. If anything, Ben lost you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Ben was our community pastor at the time, who was yeah. uh, taking advantage of Mark's ability. Oh no, I mean, well, in a good way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Celebrating your ability. Yeah. Well, we used to joke that we were the C team. So when yeah. we when we played on after Sundays, the Dutton band after Dutton yeah we were the C team <laughs> so uh, the C team had some uh, big talent on it so who else played with you guys back then uh, Griffin Kel I thought G- Griffin yeah who wrote that song you guys covered on the um, Alleluia yeah yep. uh, Hallelujah what yep. was that album called B sides or something yeah rehearsals rehearsals yep so he wrote that that was kind of a UBC refrain that he had yep. back in the day so that's OG uh, and then um, Jordan Bellamy. That's right. Gosh, um, what happened to that kid? He's 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 making films in Nashville, and he's he's killing Aww. it. Everybody went on to do yeah. like real big things. Yeah, um, but yeah, it was a good good little band. P. Dodd would play with us. Oh yeah, um, yeah, it was good good times. Ben obviously would just like be involved, but yeah, I mean it's been really interesting to see so many iterations of you know UBC. And so actually, when we when we transitioned off as Crowded band being the worship team, then there there was a big question of like, well, who's the worship pastor now? And so we were propositioned as the digital age of do you want to do this and seeing what that entailed on the crowded band side and us starting a brand new band and not knowing what we like what our schedules were gonna look like, we couldn't commit. So it was kind of fun to then hire the next person and it yeah. ended up being And weren't you on the committee? I was, yeah. So you had a hand in making that selection? Yep. And got, who got is that? Ty. Oh, Ty, okay. Ty. Yeah, we're making. I should apologize, listener. I will try to be cognizant of not making so many uh, references from the past. The explanation. Uh, but that's what we're doing. This is a UBC music primer. So it was uh, <laughs> David Crowder, and then it was Ty Barrett, and then it was Jamie McGregor. There's only been three. Jameson. Yep. Jameson. And so, so there's technically only been three heads of UBC music. So yeah. that's a. Uh, Ty was here when I got here. Yeah. So you remember Ty. Ty and um, what was the? We've had some really great people come through. Jillian Edwards. Oh yeah. Jillian, what's her last name now? Yep. Chapman's. I mean, pretty prominent. Her. She's awesome. Uh, no, who's the one who played with Ty all the time? The female lead. She was so great. The two of them were great. They had such a mm. Ty and. Anyhow, that's neither here nor there. I'll think of it. When do you have any questions about Ty? No, I just am trying not to hog the mic. I get oh. to listen to Mike all day. So. Oh yeah. Um. No, no, let's just keep talking. Nothing okay, to say here's my next question. When you started the band, you were What is the point of this? Well, yeah, we talked about the, uh, the intersection of, of this podcast is kind of humor, pop culture, Christianity. Okay. Yeah. I feel like you can do all of them for us. 
I'm trying to say that in a joking way because I feel like, you know, it's oh, like, it was, what is this going to be titled? There, there, it was either uh, this or what? A Christian rock star. Okay. Oh, geez. Okay. Yeah. Um, so uh, my next one is you were 19, dropped in the middle of the lives of pretty much what, 30 year olds at least? Oh, yeah. They were 10, I was 20 and they were 30. So they're 10 years old. What was that wow. like? I mean, were they on the bus taking like, well, some of them, pills and you were there playing I Fortnite think, or something or yeah it was weird so some of them some of them were I think Hogan's eight or nine years older than me and then Crowder's like much old like yeah, 15 or something right. so it was very you know I I remember the moment this is kind of an aside but I remember when Eminem turned 30 okay. I remember this in my head and just thinking like oh he's over yeah like you <laughs> what do you do after 30 he's that's done like to. I remember being like Eminem is 30 and I do remember being like, wow, these guys are so wise and like they've figured it out. You know, they were, they were 30. 30. Yeah. And they were 30 and they're, you know, successful. And well, Christian music industry is forgiving. Yeah. If you're doing it right, you can do it a long time. And that was the That's pitch to true. me when I was 20. It was like, hey, get in now. You could be doing this till you're 60. <laughs> like, <laughs> look at Michael W. Smith, you know, yeah. look at Third Day. You know, there's like that, that was definitely part of the pitch, which made my parents feel better. Um, but yeah, like I, I looked at them and I was like, oh my gosh, they're so wise. And, you know, I still think they're all wise. Like, I mean, I'm super lucky to be, I mean, I was the baby and to be uh, around really intelligent people, you know, Crowder and Hogan just wrote the Everybody Wants to Go to Heaven book. Yeah. And so I like had a lot of respect for both of them. I was like, wow, they're really, obviously then just being around at UBC and um, kind of feeling like, oh, I'm all in on this thing, whatever our thing was, you know, the overchurch refugee thing, you know, back in the day, um, it felt like, oh, this is cool. Now I can be missional about, you know, putting good stuff out in the world because everything out there is pretty bad. And I will say in 2005, UBC music really was like so different. I mean, it was Avant-garde. so different. Now there's just, it's become, I mean, it's great, but there's so much more variety now than there was then. So, like, yeah, the quality at, overall within the Christian industry. Is David Crowder band coming out right now would not make the splash it did in, in the early 2000s. Well, I still think though that um, a Collision is a pretty unique album. Oh, it's amazing, and I can say that because I wasn't involved in that one. But yeah, that I mean that was <laughs> that was my UBC era, and so well, you know, and then when Kyle died, it became this strange soundtrack yeah. to our emotional lives. Yeah, it was. I mean. It was something else, and I remember. Uh, I mean, all all of that is why I had so much respect for the band, anyway. Mm-hmm. And so then to be asked to be be in it, even though I was leaving college and you know doing some, it felt like a step up. You know, it didn't feel like, oh, I'm. I mean, obviously, like being in a band is taking a chance versus you know getting a degree is such a you know tried and true method of moving. Yeah. You know, Especially philosophy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> philosophy. I was only philosophy because it was interesting, and I was pre med, and you can be whatever major you want when you're pre-med so that was uh that was my hey i'm gonna feed my not ego but you know i wanted to do something that was fun outside of biology classes i didn't want to major in biology or chemistry or something so um but yeah like the, the the band was uh very intelligent and so it felt like everyone in the band like sitting on the bus and talking about things late at night like we always were talking about yeah you know string theory yeah i mean it's like wow, these guys are super smart and, you know, unique. And so it was a big, um, it made it really easy as a 20-year-old to be, like, thrown into this thing. And so for context, what year was that? I was 07. Okay. How old are you? I'm 34. Okay. So I'm 33. So yeah. we're almost the same age. Yeah. Oh, okay. When did you start at Baylor? 
05. Okay, yeah, same. Watched 06 or 05? 05. So you guys, same class? Uh, yeah, I graduated 05 and then started school in 05 as well. Oh. There How about go. that? There you go. Yeah. So same cultural reference is very much alive for you too. Yes, there yes. you go. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to ask this question piggybacking on what you just said. So I always had the sense, um, and maybe it's because I came of age at this place, in this place at a time when, like you said, a lot of what the band was doing did feel, I picked the word avant-garde to me, within the industry. Um, but I'm asking this knowing you had have seen and been exposed to so much more both within the Christian music industry proper, but also just within the music industry. It felt to me um, like, let me compliment Dave first. I always said that Dave was one of the truest artistic geniuses I'd ever known. Well, and to say that I'd ever known is a really fair statement. But even beyond (laughs) that, I mean, I don't know a lot of famous artists. But um, I thought just within the industry was really winning in a game. And then to go further, I think assemble the team I'm thinking of all you guys and the unique things you did that really was unique. Do you feel that way looking back on it, or do you see it differently? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, and I, I remember, um, the, of course, the A Collision soundtrack for the Kyle's death here, like I mentioned, was very popular. But the, like, even like the Light Bright video, I mean, just it was always cutting edge. It was always a ton of hard work, and it was that always was, just very that inspiring. Was a, that was a Hogan BWAC pretty much exclusively. Like, that was their brainchild, and... We helped execute it, but yeah, that was that was the biggest undertaking we ever did as a band was that live right video. Have you seen that video? Yeah. And you guys won a double award for that. Mm-hmm. I remember for people who don't know, we had rooms at UBC filled with people taking those light bright sheets, black and white, and they had mapped out and printed out the whole music video, mm-hmm. frame by frame. And you had those massive, what do you call those crates or not, the the actual metal things that you'd put the paper on? Yeah, hundreds of them, and people just stood up here with light. And we would we would take them from UBC, yeah. put them in a car, drive very carefully, uh, put them on the light bright, take a picture, bring it back, dump them, to start again. Because you needed the pegs. Yeah, but you still, how many did you guys order? Oh my gosh, we went on eBay and bought uh, bulk old vintage light bright pegs, like thousands and thousands and thousands, because we had to. We needed all the colors, and we need you know. So, gosh. I mean, so many. I don't even know. But that was a, that was a big UBC effort because I remember on Sundays there was an announcement like, "Hey, if anybody wants to stay late, yeah. I think we bought pizza for people." And like, yeah. "Hey, we have pizza if you want to make light brides." You guys are always very generous about um, buying pizza, and buying cheap people, <laughs> and, buying pizza. And, and compensating in ways that people could get behind who are eighteen to twenty-two. Hey, yeah, it's like, hey, come come eat pizza and make light brides. Pretend like you're five again. Come on. That's a dream. That's a college dream, I think. After. Oh marriage. yeah, I mean, and to have some proximity to the band and be involved in a project, it was genius. Oh yeah, and we were all. I mean, we were, we definitely in the in the realm of ubc it's like we felt like ubc years like it was like we knew most of the people volunteering you know it's not yeah. a, it's not like a mega church so like we knew everybody yeah. so well i fun. think that was another fun thing that the band did i remember the invitation to be the the choir for i saw the light on the one album and then um dave was very vocal uh around the dove award about making sure that it was ubc's award and the the Sat on a, that piano for years because yeah. it was our it's, award. And, it's in Jamie's office. Yeah, now. Jamie has it in his office next to <laughs> us. So yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. That and that was that was super cool. Like when we traveled, we always, uh, we always said. I said, David said, we all said, we're like we're the UC worship team. We're just not named that. Yeah. But that that was always our um, feelings, at least, of like, hey, we're the David Cotter band, but we're just the UBC worship team. Like we're not called, you know. Hillsong Waco or something like it's like we're like we could we could have been you know it's like we could have been a 
Waco-oriented band name, but pre-me, they decided to be called David Crowder Band. But um, to the best of my knowledge, I wasn't involved in the conversation, but there was a lot of names being kicked around, and UBC Worship Team and all those were in the mix. I mean, that's what the first record got put out as, but, you know, there was... Is that the Can You Hear Us album, or is this before that? that Can You Hear Us was David Crowder Band, but okay. the um, all I can say... Whatever. Oh, pour, that's pour the, over me. Where's the one, one where the he- hands are in the headphones? That's David Crowder band. Okay. Yeah. That's but, the first one I remember. But like, yeah, the pour over me, the early stuff, you know, the flower record. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, okay. Those were UBC band, UBC music. Yeah. Um, I have a question. So, be like being all over the world, but especially I think right now, just this is my interest is sort of like American evangelicalism, like being all across the country and performing. Um, how do you feel like that was formative for you and also for the band? Like, I, I assume it had to have been formative, but in what way do you feel like that happened? This is, that's a, such a great question, Taylor. Um, I have actually really benefited from the diversity in all the places we've played. Mm-hmm. It's been, we had a couple moments that were really difficult, like clench your teeth and just get through it. Like you can't believe you're in this situation kind of moments um so was that because of the place or the people uh usually what's being preached from stage okay oh okay um but one of the things david crowder band did intentionally was um just go where we were asked pretty much i mean i don't think we declined a lot we did decline things um but you know we've done every we, we we saw ourselves as very um uh like, this is our thing. If you want to invite us in and you want to experience some UBC music, awesome. So okay. whether you're a Seventh-day Adventist or a Assemblies of God or Baptist, Methodist, it, like, it didn't matter to us. If you invited us, then we were bringing our thing into your space, which to us is like a good thing. Yeah. What gets hard is when you do that and then you walk off stage and then somebody gives a sermon that you're just like, oh my gosh, that is like, I can't put my stamp on that. Right. And then now we're, now all these teenagers impressionable teenagers think we co-sign on this idea that we think is actually spiritual abuse or something you know right. like there was a couple moments like that we're just like oh my gosh this is not great and so some of those we would say hey we're not going to return and do this event anymore like there were some of those conversations but in general like it was very formative to me because um you know growing up in east texas and then coming to baylor and um i've had a lot i had a pretty diverse Growing up, I, I went to a Baptist church and a Methodist church and a vineyard, and then mm. I came to UBC, and I kind of was um, open to a lot anyway, mm-hmm. and just UBC was what made me excited. Um, but being around so many different congregations mm-hmm. really gave me an appreciation for like, hey, this isn't my thing, but like I'm really happy that this yeah. is someone's thing. Yeah. And so it's helped me not, it's actually helped me not be cynical about a lot of church stuff because mm. um, you see so much good and healthy churches by the end we used to always say by the end whenever we were kind of wrapping things up touring um it would come up a lot and i would say man like we've been to so many churches that i could walk into a church and this isn't like an ego thing but like i can walk into a church and tell you pretty quickly if it's like a healthy congregation or not yeah Hmm. like it was it was really in like mike mike is such a good um people person observer of uh observer of you know human uh what would the word be? I guess sociology. He kind of was like a, had his uh, street cred in sociology, yeah. but you know, he, he, you know, we could b- walk in and he'd be like, you know, that 
there's a couple times when he's like, that pastor's having an affair. And we find out like a year later, like, yep, that pastor's having an affair. Oh, like, that's great. like, we just, I don't know, you just get the, the radar. and I think um, that's called the gift of discernment, Mark. Okay, well, thank you, Josh. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, but I guess that's something that can be learned because that yeah. really was something that we, you know, we could be around and meet the pastor, you know, the pastor would come back or you'd meet the worship and you'd be like, wow, this is a really healthy church. Like, this uh-huh. is awesome. Like, you, we, we picked up on that. And then we could also pick up on like, wow, this is a really oppressive community. Mm-hmm. Like I, you, you feel the weight when you come in and then you start to meet people and you're like, wow, this is not good. Like, I don't like this at all. We need like, we would feel that and we would talk about it. We'd go back to a hotel and be like, what is up with that church? And then it'd be like, you thought that too? Hmm. I thought that that's crazy. Yeah. Like we would all pick up on the same thing. So there were definitely, I guess, yes, through all that, I've kind of gained some discernment. I definitely, you know, I've, I haven't really changed a lot of views over the years i've kind of always been very much in the ubc stream of things but i i have a lot more patience for people who are not like me i think because we've played in so many different things and also you know most of the christian music industry is just so evangelical that Mm -hmm. from the day i joined the band i knew like oh david crowder man is not this like ubc is not this like when we go to the dove awards like most of these people don't think how we think so that was always in that was always in the mix. Like we knew we were always the other, you know, when we, when we played passion, we always would joke, like, you know, we were like the like weird stepchildren that they're like, just have to let play because everyone <laughs> really just wanted Chris Tomlin to sing more songs, yeah. but like, we're going to go and do our like weird music. And they like, it was almost kind of like, okay, let's give David Crowder band their set at nighttime. So they feel good about themselves. And like, then, then we're going to like have actual worship, you know, in the morning. With Chris Tomlin. Great is our God. Yeah. So, you know, we, we definitely found our niche and, um, but yeah, to answer your question, we, we just kind of always just were like, Hey, we're going to do our thing. And, um, if you want us to come do it around you, like, that's awesome. And that makes, you know, that's cool that you you think we're adding value to what you do, but we didn't really stray too much from like, we were always pretty like, Nope, this is us. Like, if you don't like this, you shouldn't ask us to come here. here." (laughs) That is really interesting. And to think about, yeah, I guess it would make you less cynical because you, if you go so many places eventually, like, it almost, like, there are some things that matter all the time, but there are, like, a bunch of different denominations and a way to think about Christianity that it's, like, you could be, like, well, this is a healthy place that thinks about it this way, and this is an unhealthy place that thinks about it this way, and once you've seen all of that, it's, like, okay, so there's a lot of common ground as far as, like, what can be a good and healthy place. Yeah. Let me ask you a juicy question. Based oh. on that same anecdotal data, is there a denomination or church you learned I'm definitely most not and never will be? Yes. Uh, <laughs> you didn't really have to answer. <laughs> yeah, there is. Okay. It's located uh, in the Midwest. <laughs> you know, that's awful close to Wisconsin, Mark. It's be careful. not Wisconsin. Well, thank God. It's because there are no churches there. There's just empty Catholic Godlessness and bars. Okay, here's my question. You guys um, have sold the studio. We did, yes. The four members of the Digital Age are still in Waco, but, um, of course, you and BWAC have a thriving marketing business. Yep. A sidekick agency. Um, one of our sponsors. One yes, of our one sponsors. Of very proud sponsor of <laughs> it was either this Thank or you. dot, dot, dot. Um, and um, Jack is still, I has a pretty illustrious music career, although now that COVID is hitting, um, shows aren't being played. That has slowed down. You know, he's played He's played How Great Is Our God a few times. Oh, he's played oh, it. Yeah. And a bunch Imagine. of that Christmas music, too. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, uh, of course, Mike is kicking kicking Heine over at the vet clinic. So my point another, being— Another sponsor of yeah. the podcast. <laughs> you yeah. had veterinary clinic. Yeah. Thank God for the former David Crowder band keeping this— Keeping this thing afloat. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
But my, <laughs> I hadn't thought of that until you just made it. But, um, maybe we'll get Chris Tomlin to sponsor an episode. I'm sure he'll be yeah. appreciate oh, yeah. being tagged on these. Into it, into um, it. Hey, he's from East Texas. That's right. Just right down the street. Uh, my question is, you know, you sold the studio. It seemed, you know, I asked you, I joked, bring one of your guitars over, we'll sing, and you said they're all packed away. Do you kind? Of, do you have a, a kind of sense now of, I guess, closure and like that part of my life is really behind me now. And was that ever painful? And did you have kind of a sacramental moment where you said goodbye? So I remember the moment we decided to stop touring. Uh, we were up at the studio. and at di- uh, As digital age. Yeah. Uh, we got a big offer to do a European tour. Uh, this is how I remember it. Could be inaccurate, you know, how memories are. But um, we were up there and we got an offer and I, I did all our booking and uh, d- dealing with the management and the, all the people. And so we got offered to go to Europe for a few weeks and I was, you know, at the time, 30, pumped. Hey, a few weeks in Europe. And the rest of the guys were just like, nah. And that was like, that was the moment for me. It was like, oh, wow. That's when the age disparity really hit me. It was like, oh, like, I'm young. I'm like, quote, young. And like, weeks in Europe sounds fun to me. But like, y'all are like 40 and have kids. And yeah. like, being away from your families for weeks is not fun at all. And then we had kind of just had a band conversation of like, hey, there's some like, worship band with like 20 year olds who this was would be like a life-changing moment for them like let's give it to them and it and it wasn't even bittersweet it was just kind of like obvious it was like yeah cool and it was like okay and then obviously it was then it's like okay well if i'm not doing this what am i doing um and then serendipitously um kind of our waco mentors um gave me a book about it was (laughs) <laughs> related to Mad Men, and I was a big Mad Men fan. And um, I was just kind of thinking, and I read this book like on, on one plane flight, and it was just like, wow, that's what I want to do. And so mm-hmm. I kind of told BYK, like, we, we should do what we do for ourselves, for other people. Because yeah. we've always And you like, had a lot of really valuable professional experience. Yeah, like, we did everything portfolio. for the band. Yeah, so like, yeah, I'd, I'd already done, you know, we'd done album artwork and, and social media and marketing mm-hmm. and Facebook ad buys and like we'd already been doing this. We were very DIY on the band front. Well, so. and had an expertise in recording quality, uh, both audio and visual stuff. Yeah, yeah. We did a ton of. We did all our own music videos for Crowder Band. Um, every uh, so we we did all that. So I was like, hey, like, what if we did this in Waco? And like, we don't want to travel, so like, let's put down. Uh, we've already put down roots here. Let's stay here. Let's yeah. put down deeper roots. And at the time, it was a. It was. Um, you know, four years ago. So Fixer Upper had already like gotten, you know, pretty big. And um, I think we were getting frustrated driving around Waco that things still felt lagging. Like, yeah. you know, when my brother comes into town, there's still like not really cool stuff. And so we were just like, what if we kind of do and like invest in Waco and try to make it better and make it cooler? And so that was kind of the genesis of Sidekick. And now, I mean, like mentioning my brother, like now he comes and he's like, oh, Milo, Pinewood. Like yeah. now there's just like places everywhere. Yeah. Like one day and like, now Waco's gotten so much cooler. It's awesome. Um, so it feels like we've always just with Crowder Band on like the the forefront of the music, and then like us just kind of trying to be like a young creative agency in town that's trying to make Waco cooler, uh, make brands in Waco look better. Uh, it's kind of all been the same thing to me. So there hasn't really been like a hard, you know, chapter. It's kind of just been one story, it, and so it's uh, it's been a really natural kind of closing of music. And honestly streaming is just like decimated the music industry so when we built our recording studio in 2011 it was um there were still bands recording with a budget now Mm -hmm. there's not i mean it's it's gone completely to laptop music and so you know 
all across the country. Like big so the studio wouldn't pull in money anymore anyways. Oh, no. No. Oh, that's so sad to me. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the idea of a studio is such an iconic thing that... Yep. Yeah. Yeah, they're going away. They're going away. Well, because it is like, I don't understand any of it fully, but it is like you can do a lot of... I mean, people can learn to do a lot of it at home by themselves. Yeah. Well, wasn't that part of the the origin of the name the digital age did you guys like record the whole album apart and you're like oh wait this is changing yeah that's the very last crowder band record we each recorded at our houses and then wow. compiled them yeah we recorded on the road we recorded in green rooms and our bedrooms like yeah. on a couple blankets and yep yeah yeah the yeah. world had changed and that's honestly like that was such a undertaking um and it was it was a requiem mass and it was such a big heady thing mm-hmm. and that we pulled it off you know, over the course of a year, everybody working really hard, like remotely. I mean, that was a pre-COVID, you know, that was a, that was a very novel thing to do when we did that in 2011. And now, yeah, we're just recording studios. You know, everybody can record from laptops now are just so fast. You know, back in the day, our, you know, our recording computer is like a $10,000, you know, whatever. And now like a thousand dollar Best Buy laptop is faster than what we had, you know? So it's just insane. So like now, like anybody can record anything so it's just made it so easy um to have really high quality like the i think the rise of podcasting is really um shines a light on that like it's so easy to record a podcast right. well any schmucks i mean literally any <laughs> schmucks really, really. can just get together and say hey we're gonna do a podcast yeah but it's great any and schmuck. and that's it's creative outlet it's the same thing yeah so you know it's it's allowing and that's great that is the digital age it's letting people express themselves however they want to uh, via a mic and a computer it's no different than a band to me it's like i have i have something in my head and i need to get it out and if if people want want more of it that's awesome if they don't then i'm making it for me yeah it's p- proliferation of information in a way that i don't think anybody had to manage it 15 years ago yeah it's i crazy. just watched this documentary called booksellers on amazon prime i think and it was about how for these people who find these treasures of books how the game has completely changed because 20 years ago, it was all about, the, you know, you'd get word or you'd have a scout or, and you go find this thing and then, you know, you take it to a show. And now they said with, the, you know, eBay, anything you want is 15 minutes away. Yesterday, Josh started telling us about these books covered in human skin. Yeah, there are two books in existence. This is in a documentary that are covered in human skin. That's so uh, gross. Well, they're worth a lot of money. So yeah, what do those go for? I don't know. They didn't put the price on there, but the guy was said, you know, it's interesting. Either people do one of two things: they um, they run kind of squeamishly from the the book, literally, or they ask if they can touch it. Uh, so I would. Uh, I would not be on the touch it. Group. Let's um, yeah, let's all share what we would do. I would run away. I'd probably touch it. Wow. Well, you I would. just think. I mean, I guess biologically, if they're alive at this point, they've been tanned or whatever you do with leather. But I'm like, don't those carry diseases to this day? It's an organic piece of matter. I don't know. I would I assume know. you'd have to. Uh, yeah, we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, you got to wonder whose skin was it, and um, how yeah. did they decide that this was going to be part of the book? Yeah. So, well, uh, Mark Waldrop, we could have done this for another ten hours. We're at forty minutes already, and um, wow. So that's Wait. like that's like a third of an armchair. Yeah. I want to ask a question. Oh well, just kidding. Not over. Go ahead. Um. So, I mean, you've seen UBC through a bunch of iterations, and well, I'm, I'm already nervous. Oh, why? Go ahead. Well, I just I would just like to get some observations from you about how you've seen UBC like transform. I mean, it certainly has in a lot vibes wise, I think. Um, but also, do you feel like beliefs are different than they were, and is that just a cultural thing, or you know, like 
could you just give us some thoughts on yeah UBC? i love that yeah that's a great question um you know i would say ubc is not that different you know i i will say the big shift was in 2005 it was so 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 much a college church yeah. i mean i it was 90 95 percent and i remember at the time um coming from a, a very family-oriented church in east texas kind of missing like kids i was just kind of like man there's and the brownings had keely right when right around when i came and it was like oh there's a baby cool <laughs> like and it was just it was so there were, i mean there were no families and there it was really unfortunate because there were some families that left because they had kids and there was no support for them there's no anything so yeah that's been really cool to see like some of the families that have stuck around and now raising kids and now that because those families stuck around they're attracting families with kids right. and so that's been really cool and now me having kids is like uh you know, it's been fun and even printing coloring pages at home and stuff and yeah. knowing that it's UBC, UBC vibes. Um, it's just been really, really fun. Um, and that's obviously like I've grown up with that. So when I was a college, I was a college student, it was a college church. Now it's like feels more like a family church and I'm, you know, got a one and three year old. So right. it feels like the church has kind of grown up with me a little bit. Uh -huh. um, it's funny because Josh and I are a few years apart in age, but um you know, Josh was a Truett when I met him. Yeah. And I remember the first time I met Josh, we were at the Hippodrome. I remember this moment, too. And we were cleaning up weeds on the side of the building. You and Ryan Weaver had, like, hose, um, the garden tool. And you were um, <laughs> hitting um, brush and stuff. We were volunteering with the Hippodrome to help them since they were giving us their space after Kyle's death very graciously. I yeah. don't even know if they charged us or not. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I, I doubt they did. Speaking of which, the Hippodrome's for sale again. It is. It is? Well, I might jockey get in there. Yeah, you want to see if UBC wants to own a historic theater? Yeah. I think we got the budget. Yeah, we do. Oh, yeah, um, definitely, for sure. Uh, maybe they'll give you a nonprofit discount. Oh, I bet they will. <laughs> um, yeah, and, you know, it's been it's been so cool to see, even see Josh. Like, I mean, I take a lot of credit for Josh even being here at this moment mm -hmm. because I remember being at the C-Terminal in Dallas and Crowder asking me, uh, if we, if I knew anybody that could be a guest preacher and I said, let me tell you about the smartest guy I know. Yeah. And, uh, history history's written. I do remember you guys were here the day I preached and I remember Dave, I can see it in my head and probably you, um, sitting with his back against the wall right out here through the double doors. The doors were open and I don't know if the green room was not working that day or whatever, but, um, for some reason there, I'm like, oh, Crowder cared to listen. That made me feel good. Yeah. Well, he, you know, he was like. He saw the potential in you. He's like, he, you know, he's not there yet, but Kyle wasn't there when he started, you know. So Very kind, and uh, that was a very generous way to speak about what I was able to do at that point. <laughs> well, I, and too, like for you, like seeing Josh's progression, I mean, he – it's funny how he's gone from – I think his first few years were so heady. It was like I'm right yeah. out of seminary, and I like – I've heard I need, I need to get you – I need to get you all this information in as little time as possible. And so, oh crap, I wrote double the page. I'm just going to read it really fast and get through it so mm -hmm. that you get all this good, good information that yeah. I, I'm going to blow your mind with. To now, it's just the Slytherin robe and it's the Matthew McConaughey swag of just like, whatever, man, like yeah. this is this is what I got for People you. People probably wish I'd have a little more content now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's been a fun progression. So if, to me, it's you've moved from head to heart, which yeah. I which I found That's to kind. be Thank you. indicative of a lot of UBC-ness from back then. I felt like it was... Um, I don't know if this is true, but for me and my friend group at UBC in 2005, mm -hmm. it wasn't very much like we need to battle the reform, like yeah. friends. Oh. Like it was very, UBC was like, 
Oh, yeah? You go to that? Well, we're at UBC, and this is how you're wrong, because I read Blue Like Jazz, and it said, <laughs> like, you know, it was very that. And and so there was there was kind of a, an arrogance uh, of a, I don't know, like, we're emergent, and you're, like, still stuck in your old ways. And, like, to now it's like, whatever, man. Like, yeah. it feels like we've, we have moved away from that um, a little bit. I mean, I definitely still have some of that in me. but Well, no, but that's interesting because I wouldn't think – I think of us as more of a place that's, like – we're doing what you're doing. Well, we're doing what we're doing, and if you want to come here, you're very welcome. And if you're doing something different, that's fine. We'll talk to you about it, I guess. But I don't really care what you're doing over there. It, it has gotten a lot more liturgical, which that seems like a fine move. From what I mean, yeah. I would say, I would say, you know, when I came, it was like as informal as we could make it. Like literally, mm-hmm. like announcements were like mono, joke monologue, like. <laughs> I mean that that was the deal, and the the bulletins all had jokes in them, and like it was like very very much a emergent theme was to try to disarm as many people as you can mm-hmm. to be like this isn't a real church, we're a cool church, but not in the <laughs> not in like the new evangelical way of doing that of yeah. like yeah. like we're gonna tell you we love all people and we're not gonna put our stance on gay marriage on the website and like yeah. these now churches are just like whitewashing everything and trying to be as ambiguous as possible to not take a stand unless you like dive way, way, way down deep into the podcast. Literally whitewashing. <laughs> yeah. But you know, UBC at that time and the emergent movement was really a, on the forefront of that. And right. it was churches going like, Hey, you don't, you can be your authentic self. This is us being our authentic self. We're going to use comedy and yeah. all this. And so, I mean, especially when we led worship, it was not a reverent time. Right. We were intentionally trying to be like, hey, this is worship. Like, we're going to have fun. Yeah. And so that was our version of that. It's not necessarily the same as Jameson's. Right. Uh, but it's it's all UBC to me. Exactly. Well, and I do think it's still true, right? That it's like, so what Jamie's doing seems very different, but it's very Jamie. And it, so it's like, it's the same thing. It's like the space is created for people to be themselves. Yeah. I think, I think holding authenticity as one of like a key pillar, mm-hmm. you know, for people's personal lives, but also just as a church service and everything, like, you know, it's, it hits people when, when there's written out paper slides that are held up to a camera <laughs> for, for some people, they're like, how dare you? And then some people are like, that's my church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause there's. You know, and there's a church for the person that says, how dare you? There's a slick Bethel service they can log on to and watch, but yeah. it's that's not UBC. Well, it's interesting. The ways that you can express authenticity now have drastically changed 15 years later. Mm. Um, and I, it, to me, it's there's a very clear thread through UBC's history, even from 1995, getting to know Chris. Um, but, yeah, they, the way that that has taken form has certainly shifted, as culture has demanded it to. Yeah, and that, one, of, one of the cool things we did as Digital Age is for a while when we got going is we bled worship at Ecclesia a long time because they didn't have a, a worship team. And so we were down leading at Ecclesia a lot and got to spend a lot of time with Chris again. And there's still there's there's a thread of UBC down there. Yep. You, you're down there and you're like, yeah, I get it. Yep. Yep, this feels like UBC. And it's totally different, but there's that same – there's a commonality there that just you know has the, lasted decades, and that's really cool. The DNA. Yep. The fingerprint. Well, Mark, I do need to uh, end this. We're at 48 minutes, but we sure have had fun talking to you and yeah. uh, grateful yeah. you had some time on this. I'd love it. to Monday afternoon. Hey, love yeah. it. It came upon the midnight clear That glorious song of old From angels bending near 
Chuck.